Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by Tell Me Studios for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm Fraser McGrew and I'm here with Nick Hare, Peter Coghill and Chris Ragg of Aleph Insights. And this week we're discussing how dangerous or not it is to swim with crocodiles. Chris, how dangerous is it to swim with crocodiles? Uh, well, v- very dangerous if you would believe uh, the sort of Australian press and um, and politicians uh, recently, because there was this um, well publicised case of uh, I think it was three Australian uh, men um, swimming out to a trap that had been set for a crocodile and had been baited with whatever it is crocodiles eat small children or something um and uh um they swam out to this and then they posed for you know pictures and were were, were videoed were there uh, were there i seem to remember in the pictures were there pictures of them holding a drink in their hand as well or something yes, like that yeah. yes exactly. it's plausible to imagine lager may have been involved yes um <laughs> yes. and so and sorry without I, wishing I, to perpetuate any kind of stereotype <laughs> about australian men yeah uh, and so, so sorry. Continue. So there were pictures. There was, there was. Yeah, and 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 so this caused a, a furore in the uh, in in the Australian press, and then subsequently the international press. And uh, they were dubbed the idiots of the century by a, a, an Australian politician. Uh, and it got me thinking. Well, how how dangerous is what they what they did? And actually, sorry. Before you continue, I think in reports it was saying just two weeks before, um, either. Yeah, that someone had been killed at more. Well, that's why the crocodile. That's why the crocodile trap. A seventy-nine-year-old with Alzheimer's uh, had been killed by a crocodile. Right. Okay. Um, Draw from that what you want. Yeah, Um, and in in exactly the same spot a couple of weeks before, and then they were swimming there. A nearby spot. Remember, this is Australia, so nearby could be two hundred miles for (laughs) either. So, so I I started sort of, you know, thinking about this uh, a a bit more critically. and, uh, you know, I was having a look at sort of statistics to do with um, crocodile deaths. And it turns out uh, that um, of the, the species of crocodiles that exist in the world, only, only a small minority of them are actually dangerous to, to humans um, or at least fatally dangerous to, to humans. There's always a bad apple. Yeah, there? that's right. Yeah, yeah you, might, you might get a toe bitten off yeah. by some of the others. But, um, but, the, but the, point, uh, the point is, is there's... there's um, the most dangerous kind of crocodile is the, is the Nile uh, crocodile, um, and most of those deaths occur in sub-Saharan Africa. And maybe uh, you know th- th- it's very difficult to get reliable estimates on these things, but but perhaps between three hundred and seven hundred and fifty deaths per per year from that species. But in terms of the saltwater crocodile and uh, uh, Australasia and Asia more more generally. Um, they obviously do um, take and kill humans, but uh, it's um, estimated to be about 30 deaths per year, uh, or rather 30 attacks per year, 50% of which are um, believed to be you know, fatal. Uh, again, very difficult to get reliable statistics on these because they're not always reported and so on and so forth. Um, but you know, were that the case, if you then look at Australia... Uh, you know, there are there are only really sort of a handful of these kind of attacks per 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 year, and most most of the uh, attacks occur on people swimming, obviously in in uh, in in water. But even given that, um, it's a small 
small you know small number of cases per per year but well, we can but, we can do I, I, I went I, I did I did a bit of maths of my own before you go go, right, go, go on go, before you go ahead with the maths but it, it, one of the things it might be that in Australia for example there are less crocodile deaths because people uh, pay attention to right exactly saying, this is stay the away issue. from crocodiles yeah the, the issue you can't just look at the whole population tax figure and conclude therefore it's safe to go swimming yeah. it's a uh, you know it's a bit like um, saying oh, you know that I'll, if I bring a bomb, bomb on a plane uh, I'll be safe because it's very unlikely there'll be two bombs on mm. a plane you know you, you have to ask well what's the probability given that you're undertaking some activity or other mm. um, and that's what I was interested in I thought well actually okay let's make some conservative really conservative estimates um, at uh, how many so I, the figure I found was 0.6 deaths a year on average in Australia from crocodile attacks and I and I said well population Australia is about 20 million uh, I reckon maybe 1% of those people ever have contact in a given year with uh, with um, crocodile infested waters and I said okay really conservatively let's assume that that 1% are very careful and on average they're in crocodile infested waters for a minute a year Right, so effectively we have sort of two hundred thousand minutes a year uh, of of man time. Now, if it's more, that is going to make crocodiles even safer, right? So I'm assuming that people are really, on average, only in in uh, crocodile infested waters for a small amount of time. Um, well, what it turns out that you know it, that with zero point six deaths out of out of uh, two hundred thousand minutes of activity, um, that spending a day in uh, in crocodile infested waters uh, it would would work out as still about around about seven times safer than climbing Everest, for example. So so I think uh, Chris is absolutely right when he says it's unfair that these people are labelled idiots of the century. Idiots, maybe I'll go with that, but not <laughs> Just... of the century because you know climbing Everest and you don't get headlines about how stupid that is necessarily um, is fantastically dangerous. There's quite they're a lot just, of century they're... left to go. Yeah, are you, yeah. Just, are you sure you're not? You don't have a um, some tenure with uh, the Australian Tourist Board and. So this is, these are just light-hearted larrigans having a having a. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I, yeah think, right. I think what 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 it what it under um, or, or what it overlooks is um, that uh, you know that there's so the reason I think it's it's sort of viewed as supreme idiocy is because there's nothing to be gained from it. It's not like they were sort of crossing the river to, to pan gold or something like that. They were going to pose for a photograph. Well, come on, but internet notoriety. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so in the same way as, as we, we sort of understand the allure of Everest as a, you know, because of the, the kudos that's, that's gained by, you know, scaling the world's highest mountain... Uh, these guys are way more. Fa- Who climbed Everest this year? But but we know. But we've seen pictures of these guys. So you know, in their circle of friends, they probably now have have bragging rights. Now, where it becomes a difficulty is when you then get copy copycat. So in an isolated incident, an individual doing this is is fine. But if you if you then send the message right this is this is a great thing to do everybody you increase the number of uh you know uh minutes spent in australia in crocodile infested water then suddenly it goes up from 0.6 to whatever you know you you expand it by. yeah i think it's probably worth saying from a legal point of view that we certainly don't uh, urge people to go and spend time in in, in crocodile infested waters Unless you're an Australian. It's not highly advised. Unless you're Australian, it's a really hot day. Um, Peter, let's hear from you. Well, that was my point. That was the only point I had, really, was the internet notoriety. And and, uh, if if their aim was to get 15 minutes of fame, then they've totally succeeded. I don't think they really had an aim. 
Well, it's not. I mean, look, the, the reason that um, men particularly take pointless risks is, uh, you, you, you know, from an evolutionary point of view, is it's uh, a status. It, it is. A, it gets you status. Um, you know, which I think probably you could make an argument that this is because. Um, because you know, being able to take risks shows that you're stronger and braver, etc. And women find risk taking attractive. So you know, it all makes sense. The circle is complete. Uh, uh, they they probably are, are going to be considered to be more attractive now, as uh, you know, uh, as to blokes. the average Australian female. To to the average female anywhere, um, and that's you know that's pretty pretty well borne out in studies. You know, people women find risk taking attractive, uh, I, I, which is why so many young men do really stupid things. Well, I want to come back to that in a moment, but Chris, yeah, no, I was also, also going to say I think it sort of um, it it draws out nicely this uh, this separation between um, our emotional sense uh, of fear. And our cognitive um, assessment of risk, or our you know perceived perceived risk, and that we conflate the two very very regularly. That something that um, makes us think, you know, something like a, being eaten by a crocodile uh, generates emotional fear in us, and that you know bleeds across into our sort of um, you know our estimation of the, of the risk. Mm. And we you know we very often think that actually perceived risk is what drives fear but very often it's it's the other way around they're interchangeable it's fear drives our perception of the of the risk mm-hmm. okay i mean actually i think quite swiftly we've kind of got to the heart of the matter there i'm quite satisfied with where we've got to um and so again as i as i want to do let's sort of personalize this a little bit and I want to ask what the most stupid thing is that you've ever done. Now, obviously, it could, or if, if we're talking about risk, it might just be the fact, oh, that time or every day when you drive around the M25, okay? But if we put that stuff aside, um, and I'm thinking of, you know, in the sort of vein of going, deciding to go to idea to go swimming with crocodiles, things like that. Um, is there anything that springs, I mean, Chris, surely you've, you're, you're far too sober and, uh, and uh, risk averse to have ever done anything stupid, or are you? Well, yeah. What made you this way, Chris? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, as as a teenager, uh, um, I was obviously subject to the whole um, uh, sort of hormonal, um, you know, maelstrom. Uh, maelstrom, yes, exactly. And um, so, yes, was not not w- w- uh, without um, irrational behaviour. And uh, yeah, one of the things that still gives me uh, sort of flashbacks was a. Um, a teenage drunken night out where I, a couple of my friends hung me upside down over a over a fairly high bridge over the over the river, uh, and uh, and and they were obviously drunk at, at the time, and I still think about what you know what might have oh uh, what might have happened. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think there's been a few, uh, and I think before I had really got the hang of. Um, situational awareness you know there are a few times i look back on now a particular time where i was chatting to a friend of mine and crossing the road behind it was a sort of fairly quiet street around the back of uh, the temple church and um uh, it weren't very often any cars and i was just chatting to this friend that i was coming out from where there was kind of scaffolding so i couldn't see what was the traffic that was coming and uh, i just stepped out into the road and and there was this screeching of brakes and this car just sort of stopped you know a foot away from me and uh, uh and the bloke came out and quite rightly gave me a, a solid ear bashing but i just think you know 
that's that's where you look back and you think god it you know uh, a micro brown trousers yeah exactly well <laughs> a, 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 you know a, a, a half a second if i'd have if i'd have sort of left school half a second earlier uh, or later you know it would have been a different story and i but i i think I, i'd imagine that most people uh their near misses with death are going to be going to be the things that you obviously ruled out on the basis of being yeah. quite boring which is which is being run over mm. um you know or potentially drowning which are the two, two very common causes of death in in childhood you know yeah peter uh, i do a lot of mountain biking i've had some fairly painful but not very serious crashes and uh i i, I realized that it I was riding way beyond my ability. And as soon as I sort of moderated my behavior, these crashes went away, and I enjoy it a lot more because I'm not sort of all grazed and, and bruised. But, um, yeah, the, it's the kind of... It's very a very definite bit of feedback, like nearly getting hit by a car or getting shouted at extremely loudly by your parents or, or, or hurting yourself quite a lot is, is, is a useful lesson for moderating mm-hmm. one's behavior. When your ego is writing checks that your body can't cash. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think there's, so just uh, to, to probably raise the, the, what's considered to be probably the most useful measure of riskiness of an activity, which is the mort or the micromort. Uh, so micromort is a one in a million chance of dying. And um, it's, that's really useful because instead of looking at these kind of, you know, numbers of people killed per year, which is not terribly useful because what you really want to know is, uh, you know, the number of people killed per year uh, compared to the number of people doing that thing um uh, th- then um you know it gives us gives us a, so- a solid basis for making comparisons between different different kinds of traveling or different kinds of activity so uh i think looking at the um uh, the data uh smoking a cigarette is about a micro mort so uh you know in terms of in terms of what it does to your your life expectancy it's the equivalent of a one in a million chance of dying um then looking at activities, for example, I, one thing I was surprised to find is that running a marathon is about as dangerous as doing a, a sky, skydiving jump. Uh, you've got there are about seven or eight micro morts per per event. Um, but so, uh, no, I didn't. I've only got a vague idea what base jumping is, but it's jumping off high buildings with a parachute. Right? Out cliffs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Bases and acronyms. Yeah. So if we take a skydive, which is eight micro morts per jump, so uh, eight. Eight, eight in a million chance of dying in a jump. Base jumping is 430 micromorts per jump. So that is, uh, well, something like 50, what am, I, what am I saying? Something like 50 uh, times more dangerous than, than skydiving. Um, and then, of course, right at the top there, you've got ascending Mount Everest, which is nearly 40,000 micromorts per ascent attempt which equates to about a four percent chance of dying um it's useful it means that it means that we can then say well what's you know what's what's safe for which activity should we worry about and and per per thing per time that i do it and you know you see that plane traveling by plane uh, if you've if you've got if you're thinking about going uh from a to b and you know you've got to do that traveling by plane is by far the safest you know followed by the train uh followed by um followed by driving and go, going on motorbike is a very bad idea so also, so I'm just sort of thinking us back as a, so a, a, a as an off time smoker. Um, so that means what I could probably have you know 200 cigarettes or more before I even start getting close to you know the the dangers of para- of skydiving or something. Someone someone who a massive health bore who berates you for smoking but goes up Everest once is is doing the equivalent of having forty thousand cigarettes, right? <laughs> so shut up, <laughs> leave us be. It's much safer to smoke than it is to go up Everest. 
Okay, our path is clear. Um, well, look, we're close to wrapping up. Does is does anyone want to round this off with something? Well, presumably, being in a large metal cage is a quite a safe place if you're surrounded by crocodiles. So actually, it's yeah. well, it depends if it can lock or not, right? That's what I was worried about. I thought, well, if what if they trigger the trap and get stuck in this this crocodile cage? I mean, presumably, it's designed to trap crocodiles, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but also it depends. Like, if you get trapped in it. I seem to remember from the pictures you can it's got you, you won't drown you won't drown um, no there's an airspace at the yeah top. there's an airspace yeah. but you don't want it to shut with a crocodile in there with you no, no. that would be pretty much yeah. the worst outcome I think yeah. I, sort of, <laughs> I think the more the more value for that might be uh, astronomical yeah but if it shuts without a crocodile in you're probably in a pretty safe place yeah but then you've got to get out of it again and across the you know you've got a lot of explaining to do at that point (laughs) yeah yeah okay Uh, i enjoyed that um i think we'll stop there thank you as always for listening to the cognitive engineering podcast we've been here with perennial crocodile evaders nick Hare, peter coggill and chris rag of aleph insights thank you and until next time bye-bye surely see you later alligator (laughs) in a while crocodile (laughs) 